Welcome to Chinuch 2.0, a show about the massive changes coronavirus is bringing to our Chinuch system, some of which may never be the same again. It's already been a few weeks of running school from home for many of us. And it doesn't look like things are going to change drastically after Pesach either. On this show, we go up to Canada and speak to an old friend of mine, Rabbi Menachem Carmel, the Menahel of the of Elementary School of Yeshiva Montreal, where we have a fascinating interview and he shares with us the struggles, the challenges, as he struggles to keep the yeshiva going during this difficult time. Before we go to the interview, I just wanted to point out a few things. Number one, what's going on in this world, nobody could have, nobody imagined that this would, number one, what's happening now in the world, nobody could have imagined only a few weeks ago. And no one knows what's going to be. Every day, we look just to get through the day, having the children at home, trying to work from home, not being able to go out, go places, trying to get ready for Yom Tev. We're, we're constantly iterating, we're constantly modifying, we're constantly adapting to the new realities. And it's important to note that the yeshivas are also in a state of flux. Nothing that they say now is set in stone. Originally, the yeshivas tried to set up remote locations where they could teach small classes in, in, in a physical location where everybody could be together. When that didn't work, they switched over to a phone system. Now, a telephone system is far from ideal. The children find it very hard to focus. The rabbayim and teachers don't see the kids in front of them. It's extremely difficult to teach that way. So yeshivas are considering the unthinkable. Many yeshivas have already done so. They've already switched over to computer Zoom classes where there's video conference and two-way video so the teachers and rabbim could see the kids, the kids could see the rabbim, and there is some much more, of, a much greater level of interaction. Obviously, that comes at a cost, the cost of having children connected to the internet, which was something that we were always strongly opposed to as a community. The yeshivas are adapting, the yeshivas are learning, to s- taking note of what works and what doesn't work. And if we have to do something that we're uncomfortable, in order to be mechanech our children properly, so be it. That's what they're going to do. And as you'll see from this conversation, all options are on the table. The second thing, it's important to note, during times of crisis, people's tendency is to hunker down and focus on your own survival. You usually don't have the head to think about others. But your child's rebellion, menalim, teachers, Besides taking care of their own family, they also have to worry about your children. Now, during this time when everyone's family situation is topsy-turvy, and on top of that, getting ready for Pesach under difficult conditions, they also have to be concerned with making sure your children are taught something. So it's important to note that, important to keep that in mind, and just reach out and thank them. I know you might think that, of course I'm thankful for what they do, and of course I'm appreciative. 
But isn't that what they get paid for? Just reach out and say thank you. An email, a text, a phone call. It will do so much and it will mean so much to them. So it's often said that chinuch is a thankless job. It's during times like this that we really have to remember how difficult a job they normally have and how especially hard it is now. Let's go to our phones. We have on the line Rabbi Menachem Carmel. He's the Menahel of the Elementary School of Yeshiva Gedoyla of Montreal. Welcome, Rabbi Carmel. Welcome, Rabbi Aaron. Great to hear from you. Okay, so uh, we're into starting week three of uh, teach from home, learn from home, school from home during this coronavirus. Uh, how, are, how is your school teaching the boys remotely? Talk a little bit how it's going. So we had a bit of a, of a transition period. Um, we made the decision with a very heavy heart um, a bit more than two weeks ago on a Friday afternoon as we were dismissing Erev Shabbos. Um, Sunday we were just trying to get our bearings and we we arranged initially they they, they required um, areas that had more than 50 people in it to close down but we did make remote locations a few people's basements some of the Rebbeim were able to house in their homes a couple of the Batimedrish had simple holes and we had our classes spread out in different locations we shortened the hours a bit because the unrest, there wasn't, we couldn't have lunch, and we couldn't really have real recesses in many of the locations. We did that for a couple of days until the government um, wanted all what they considered non essential, which was unfortunately education as well, and all, all meetings of 10 or more to stop. And that's when we uh, dismantled those as well, and we shifted into phone conferencing um, with, with a lot of help from Terry Masora. It was a bit bumpy start until those phone lines got set up properly, we have to add more lines, but Baruch Hashem, it's, uh, it's, it's been working. I know in my own house, with my own kids, who are as well, Talmidim of, of the Yeshiva, they're, they're enjoying it very much. We, uh, what I did ask the Rabbeim to do was, in addition to uh, between a 45 minute to hour share, which they were recording, so that the boys can call it any day, I did ask them each to have a minimum of 15 minutes of live conferencing time, and I told them it doesn't even have to be learning, just that every day, every boy should be able to verbally interact with his Rebbe, how you doing, Yitzhi, how you doing, David, just, just to connect on a, on a, on a live one-on-one -on -one level, not one-on-one, -on -one, but however many kids are calling in, 15, 20 on one, with Rebbe, just to keep that Kesher going, and the Rebbeim, the Rebbeim have been very excited about it, the boys enjoy it a lot, and some of them have been shifting into giving a lot of their classes in such a setting because they found it to be so exciting interacting with the boys, they ended up shifting the recorded share to be shorter and the live time to be longer. Um, despite the fact that I was discouraging too much live time simply because Buyan Hara was Space Yaakovs and seminary girls and Best Medrash boys and high school boys and you know how many phones do people have in their house? I even know people that rented additional phones for these days. At the end of the day, I know my own house as well. It's a challenge to get enough spare phones in the house and when you record it, so you can stagger your children to listen to the shurim, and when it's, when it's live, you have to make sure you're coordinating between the Yaakovs and, and the seminaries, and etc., etc. It becomes a bit hard, but Baruch Hashem, we've been managing, and, and the boys are enjoying it. 
Okay, so Menachem, this sounds like something that could be done, like listening to a recorded class, maybe for older boys, fifth, sixth grade, older, older boys older than that. But what, what does a little boy do, a, 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 a six-year-old, seven-year-old, they're just, they're just starting to learn, they're just getting used to it. How is it possible for them to learn uh, over the phone? Certainly more difficult, and it requires more input of the parent, which is hard as well, and the temperament of the child. Child time focusing when he's in a live classroom environment is certainly, um, you know, in a much more dramatic way, going to have a challenge focusing when he's listening to a phone. But in even the younger grades, I told our band they should probably stick more to a half an hour, and they're trying to throw jokes in, and they make them believe that they're there to say, hey, Yitzi, you know, you sing on the place? And I've, I've listened into a couple of recordings um, from the different rebellion, and they're trying their best and, and, and beyond their best. They really have, it's, 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 it's very awkward and challenging to give a share for a, for a half hour, 45 minutes into a recording with, with no one live on the other end. It's challenging to do that with a geschmack and enthusiasm and vigor, and the rebellion are really stepping up to the plate, and despite the awkwardness of, of the setting. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I must, I, 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 I give a, I myself give a daily share to the boys. I leave a daily share on a recorded message. And, and the message that I left the other day was that when we're serving Hashem, it doesn't matter what the situation may be, but if we're doing the best in the situation we're put in, that's what, that's what serving Hashem is all about. And a, and a related uh, a story that I uh, read Mamish this last Shabbos is Mamish Hashkachapat. The first Shabbos we were home, we weren't in shul, and we were at my table, and, and we, we read at every Shabbos Suda. In my family, we read Living Amuna at every meal. And, and usually I'm in shul to Shabbos Shudas, and this week, of course, I wasn't. Last week as well. And at Shabbos Shudas, the chapter that we were up to in Living Amuna 4, chapter 69, was. Mamas began with, sometimes a person may be sick and he feels depressed, he can't dabble with a minion, he can't go to his regular shiurim. And they had the story of the Rebbe of Meilich and Rebbe of Zisha were traveling once. And they ended up in prison. And the Rebbe of Meilich saw his brother of Zisha was, was very, very sad. And it was very unlike Rebbe Zisha was known for his betachin and his, his, his overflowing excitement and, and, and enthusiasm for Yiddishkeit. And to find him in a, in a, in a sad mood was, was very unlike his nature. So he said, brother, what's wrong? So he told him, you know, we have to have a mincha, but unfortunately, in the corner of the room, there was a pot with which to relieve themselves. It wasn't clean, and uh, we can't have mincha. So he said, Reb Zisha, you're upset because you feel you can't do the Ratzon Hashem of Davin Mincha. Right now, the Ratzon Hashem is that since there's a dirty, there's a graph ray in the corner, so you're not allowed to Davin Mincha. So the Ratzon Hashem is that we should refrain from Davin Mincha now. And Reb Zisha's face lit up, and he jumped up and started dancing. He was so excited. He was with Ratzon Hashem. This is just as much as Ratzon Hashem. My brother inspired me. And before you know, they were dancing around in a circle around this, this pot of, of, uh, of soil. And the guard, he heard a, a ruckus. He looked inside. And, uh, and, and he got a little mad. What are these dudes jumping around for? And he started dancing around the pot. So he got so mad. He goes inside. He grabs the pot. He slaps it out. He said, now you're not going to be able to dance anymore. So then he left. So then the position's face lit up. Now he could have mincha. As soon as they finished Daring Mincha, the guard came in and said that uh, they were, anyways, you can imagine in jail for Trump of charges, they were released from prison. So they used to say over the lesson they learned was that if you appreciate that 
situation that you're in, sometimes it's Mekabu Mishael Adrisha, and sometimes Mekabu Mishael Adrisha, but if you do the best in the situation that you're in, and you appreciate that, that this is what's expected of you, and the manner of you, and, and maybe all that's expected of you, then you have to have a certain simcha sachayim in knowing that, uh, that you just got to move forward. It doesn't mean it's the optimum situation. It doesn't mean a person should be happy to be surrounded by a graf shorei and not being able to grab mincha. But at the end of the day, we have to accept that. So it's certainly not optimum in many of these situations. It's certainly less learning qualitatively, quantitatively, without a question. But, but I think that under the circumstances, under the situation, I would say the vast majority of the boys are calling in every day. And the parents are appreciating it. They don't have to push their kids much because they're pretty excited to call in. And uh, we're seeing pretty, pretty uh, beyond what I would have hoped for and expected for um, in, in the boys stepping up to the plate. And, and uh, Baruch Hashem, it's, uh, I think under, under the circumstances, and this is the feedback I'm hearing from most parents and speaking to even outside of our own mindset, outside of, outside of Montreal, I think that most, by and large, parents are, are, are pretty grateful with, with, with the, the amount of learning their sons are getting despite what they thought would happen. Mm-hmm. A beautiful story, very, very, uh, very appropriate for this time. Um, just a question: you, you mentioned before the shortage of phones and uh, the inability of, of the time to, to work out, working out the times for each each child in the family. Um, it's, I have family members that are that send to other schools, um, some more modern Orthodox schools, but even some other other schools in Queens. And they're the children seem to have pretty much a full schedule. They make sure that each child has the, the proper equipment and they're able to teach the, the, the children for quite a while. Uh, not uh, much a full schedule, but uh, many, many hours of the day and it keeps them busy. Do you see something happening like should this situation continue for a, a while? And uh, it's, it's not just a few weeks. Do you see any such arrangement happening in your school and instituting a system that you have where, where, the, where the boys could learn for longer? Well, you know, you know without, without talking about Misa, uh, I'm assuming you're referring to Zoom and, and other similar such platforms, which require, obviously, an internet connection. And indeed, indeed, uh, the Zoom platform, uh, the, the, such, such types of venues are certainly way more effective on an educational level uh, than, than, than a simple phone call, and certainly than a recorded phone call. It's live, it's interactive, the Rebbe sees the children, the children sees the Rebbe, the, the facial expressions are there. You know, you e- 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 would say that someone has sat behind Rebbe, if, e- e- if I would have sat in front of him, I would have gained yeah, even more. So there's certainly, certainly I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much that is, 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 is filtered by the time it goes through the digital uh, waves, <laughs> but certainly, 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 on the superficial level, the, 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 uh, on the simple chat, besides the kedusha that one gets by looking at a Rebbe in person, but on the simple level, there's a certain there's a certain educational impact that one has when he watches his Rebbe say the share, um, and he sees the Rebbe's facial expressions and, and feels the inflection much more, and that's uh, certainly realized on uh, on a visual platform. But at the same time, um, and and I, I, I did speak to Daftira. Um, before we embarked on this, because there were one or two rabbeim that had considered and toyed with the idea, and I currently have one of our rabbeim who's actually using the Zoom platform. Uh, yes, the majority of the children, uh, majority, I would say about half of the boys are calling in, um, and half the boys are, are logging in online and watching the share. 
And I did tell him that I had no problem with it after I, I consulted with Dastaira, who told me that I, I can't go ahead with it. But I did tell him, as per Dastaira, that he has to be careful that in no way should the boys who don't have internet feel inhibited in any way in their participation. They, they can't feel that they're being dipped in any way, that the Rebbe is using a particularly visual uh, you know, um, means of teaching that they are precluded from. So, in as much as, as the boys may be gaining more by seeing the Rebbe visually, but he is being careful to keep the share on a, on, on a, on a more of an audio-verbal level um, so that those other boys shouldn't feel cut out. And this Dastar told me as well, uh, leading leading uh, Gruddle, that I, I have to make sure to protect, and use the word protect, to protect any of the Rabbeim that don't have internet access to ensure that they aren't pressured into getting it. Mm-hmm. Now, Caveat that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that I do I do understand that 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 there may be strong consideration given to moving over to such a platform should this situation uh, deemed to be a, a, a dramatically continuing one after Pesach as well. I don't know that if if they're looking at a week or two after Pesach, I would necessarily go through the the the, uh, the motions of setting it into action. But at the same time, if it's, seen, if it's going to be an ongoing uh, situation after Pesach as well, we certainly can't consider it. And, and in light of the fact that, that the majority of my Rebbeim do not have internet access at home, at home and I certainly wouldn't expect uh, and surely not demand it from them as, as per Dastara, but I, I, don't, um, I don't preclude the possibility of setting up something maybe in, 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 in a classroom in Yeshiva the Rabbein can go on at different times, or maybe in a couple of classrooms where they don't have to uh, cross paths and interact and have different, different entrances, and they can give a share daily from, uh, from a remote location that's, that's properly sterilized. And um, that's certainly a possibility that I would consider. But of course, I mean, it's really a decision for that area, but on an educational level, I, I, I certainly think it's a, it's, it's a better medium as far as reaching the Tamidim. It's without a question. It's just... Um, a, bi- a big issue over here is that the boys are not able to see each other, not able to play with each other. Everybody has to stay in their own house. Well, boys are, are very social. They need, they need friends. Is there anything that you advise that they could do, phone calls or, or some sort of interaction with each other that should keep them sane and keep them involved with each other? So, again, I know that some parents have taken their own initiatives within, within their own class classes within the, their own children's friends to set up uh, Zoom meetings between their children. Um, it's not something that as a Manau I'm comfortable um, specifically encouraging uh, because it, it, I know that in many cases it, it, it's going to involve um, the children being unsupervised. And for somehow, somehow it's, it's, there's a different communication um, that happens when you're doing it in such a, in such a platform there's a texting option, a chat option, and, and somehow it's it's not as it's not as barriered and controlled as in person. And uh, I'm not necessarily comfortable with just letting the children sit on the internet for social purposes because you're allowing them to use the internet for for, for as a social media uh, medium, and 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 it's 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 not something that we encourage. It's something that we deeply discourage. So, um, you know, whereas, again, as I said, there are a handful of Rabbeim in our community, in our yeshiva, that are using Zoom for sheer, but beyond that, it's not something that I would be comfortable encouraging. 
However, I know parents are doing it. Um, personally, in my own yeshiva, I, I created a program um, with some incentives where, where I'm asking each boy to put in a certain amount of minutes of Chazara a day, and I'm asking them to find phone Harusas. The parents are emailing me or texting me, the Harusa partners, and I send out uh, email blasts with, uh, with a student honor roll that has lists of Harusas, pictures of them learning on the phone, and, uh, and it's created a lot of hype. Um, I'm getting every day, I'm getting texts and, and, uh, and, and emails about different boys that are joining up at Harusas. And that creates a little social interaction because you can imagine besides the Psukim, um, they learn, let's say, for 10 minutes, and then there's going to be a couple of minutes of schmoozing. So there is that, that feeling of connectedness. And many of the Rabbeim are encouraging this as well um, in their conferences, encouraging the boys to find Harusas. And, uh, and again, as I said, um, we, I did ask each Rebbe to have a live portion of, of interaction with the boys daily, so they hear each other's voices, and the Rebbe can sort of moderate, uh, you know, a little bit of communication between the boys. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, are you hearing from parents how, how things are working out at home, and uh, you hear some good feedback, positive, negative, share some, some of the things that you've heard from parents so far. Yeah, so I, I, I've spoken to many parents, communicated with many of them. They, 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 for many parents, really a large amount of parents, um, we live, we live in, in a funny time, not just time now, but in a, in a funny times. Uh, it's times when parents have a much harder time saying no to their children, um, when parents have a harder time, and it doesn't sound like a great word, controlling, but it's certainly parents' responsibility to a certain extent to control their children, and parents have a hard time with that. So there are many parents that don't really mind the fact that they don't have to scream at their kids to get out of bed in the morning and is more relaxed. There's no homework. It's a little more relaxed. They don't really mind. I'm not saying it's the best thing for the child's long-term growth, but as a, as a short-term solution, there are many houses that have become, um, instead of more stressed, actually calmer. And the boys are being able to, to log into their, or call into their abeyams, shurim, sometimes at their own pace, at their own time, uh, depending on if it's pre-recorded, which most of them are. Um, but I did, I did send out a number of, of, of directives to the parents that a schedule to some extent is important. There has to be some type of parameter of when your child should get up. It doesn't have to be to the minute. It doesn't have to catch a bus. But it should be some type of structure. In, in my own house, Kanara, I have a large family, so I have a lot of boys. Um, I could have, um, not necessarily all my, my little ones are coming down to Davin with us, but we set up in our basement a makeshift shul. And any parent I speak to, and I sent out a video message to my parents before I go for Shabbos, and I encourage them to set up a makeshift, find a room in the house. We can set up something that feels a little bit like a shul and do your tefillahs there. My, my boys took it even further. My older boys, my high school boys, made a whole smanim chart um, for Shabbos. But b'chlal, every morning, every afternoon, every night, we meet there. We're there for Shachris, Mincha, Meir, we have a zman. And again, I'm not screaming at my kids. If they come 10 minutes late, we just start 10 minutes late. I'm there with my Gemara. It's not a big deal. But the fact that there is a certain structured element to it, it's not just whenever you get up, Davin on the couch, especially for older boys, I think that's very important. And the parents that have, that have heard me out have come to appreciate some structure, structure when, when's lunch, when you should call in for your Rebbe. Give them a two-hour window for an hour call-in, but let it be within the two-hour window. I think the, the loose structure, but some structure, is very necessary. But again, it's, it's difficult to give, a, give real advice on this because... They're families of 11 kids. They're families of two children. They have very, very different challenges. The family with, with two children, um, you know, who's, with a mother already finished baking for Pesach because she has a Pesach kitchen in the basement and she always starts the morning after Purim, 
maybe looking for things or dying for things to do to stimulate her children, whereas uh, the house with 11 children that hasn't yet started cooking for Pesach is still spending most of the day cleaning the house and just trying to get the older ones to do projects with the younger ones just to keep them out of mommy's hair. So it really, it's, there are many different dynamics in, in many different homes. But by and large, I think that a little bit of a structure, uh, I think, is important for every family. That, you know, the night before, the mother should make maybe a list of a couple of the jobs that have to get done in a realistic manner. Um, and, and, just, and just to keep, things, to keep things somewhat structured at a certain time for lunch, certain time for supper. Try a little bit of a certain time for bedtime, especially with the younger ones. And, uh, but but th- that's the communication I've been having with parents on the greatest levels, just trying to help them understand and appreciate the structure. Uh, beyond that, really, I, I, feel, I feel that, that uh, Pesach, Abraham gave us a bracha, as hard as it is making Pesach and everything like that, but it, it did come at a time when emotionally and psychologically the Zman, so to speak, was dwindling down as it was, and it's less, it was less of a dramatic screeching halt um, to, to, to our way of life. And, and there's a lot of busyness in the house that's kind of with, with cleaning and making Pesach. There's, 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 there's a healthy amount of distractions. I'm, I'm much more concerned about post-Pesach and how we're going to go into that, and it's going to take a lot of thinking as over Yomtev, over Cholomite, as we see what the expectations are from the government and medical communities in how we're going to have to tackle that. But, uh, but I think right now a lot of people you know, have their hands full. It's just a matter of you know, how many bulls to keep in the air at once. Mm-hmm. Are, the, uh, are you on open communication with the parents? Do the parents have a way of, of reaching you easily? And do, do yeah, you so I have, I have found. You? Yeah, I, I have found that 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 the greatest gift I've given to parents. I'm not saying personally that Moises can give to parents. Um, better said, I found that the greatest gift that Moises can give to parents is is just a steady stream of communication, not overkill, but a steady stream of communication. If it's every other day or every two three days. Um, I, I communicate by email. It's really the only way I can communicate um, with my parents on a, on, a, on, a, on a broad level. There's a small minority that doesn't have steady access. I always put in a PS, please share any pertinent information with any of your friends and neighbors that you know don't have steady access to Internet or consistent access. And, uh, and nine out of ten times, we're mostly with that. And there are unfortunately always a handful of parents that aren't communicated with properly but it's, it's beyond my control at this point. But at the same time, communicating with parents, hearing from their son's yeshiva, is, is, it keeps them in the loop. It makes them feel, even if they won't turn to me, it makes them feel that there is someone to turn to. You know, every email ends with, I can be reached at my email address, my cell phone number. Um, all right, texting is best, just because it's, it takes the, uh, the, oil, the strain off my cell phone a bit. But... The, the feedback I've gotten nine out of ten times from parents, and I've gotten a lot of responses by email and by text, is just thanking me for all I've done. And at one point I stopped and I thought, what have I really done more than what was expected? I'm expected to have set up some type of phone system that their baby can communicate with their boys. Expect, maybe, maybe the fact that we're having also a live bit Okay, I don't know if that was expected or not, but it certainly wasn't way beyond the expectation that every Rebbe has a, you know, a live conference as well with his Talmudim. Uh, we set up a, a shared folder in our secular studies department that, to which the teachers are constantly adding materials. Uh, I, I don't know how many parents are taking advantage of it, but again, in the, in the families with smaller parents that are more academic-minded, um, that, that uh, have things more in control, that have more academic-based children, whatever the story may be, 
are taking advantage, I'm sure, of some of the materials that the teachers are uploading to the shared folder. And so, so I stopped and thought, what was it that I was doing so much for the children? And, and, and the answer is, the parents understood, because I was constantly communicating, they knew that it wasn't Pshat, the Manal said, or the Moisit said, hey, we got paid on vacation two weeks early this year. We're thinking about them 24-7. We're constantly thinking, which means that we're giving them what we feel is the best we can do under the circumstances. And, and really, you know, at that point, I, I think parents, most parents are smart enough to realize that they don't know more about how to educate their children than we do. And Baruch Hashem, most parents still appreciate that. And if they thought that we just shut the doors and said, Pesach vacation starts two weeks early, so then they would feel a bit, you know, maybe there's really more our kids could be getting. But if, they, if there's a constant communication from the Anhala with encouragement, with chizik, I even uh, spent uh, many hours on Thursday, it was a last-minute decision, but I sent out a weekly newsletter from Yeshiva, and despite the fact that we had no Yeshiva news, I sent out a newsletter on Friday, emailed a newsletter to parents, um, I had, I, that's when I actually encouraged parents to send pictures of their boys learning. I had a page of pictures of boys learning on the phone and I had some mazel tovs and uh, some condolences that had happened over the past two weeks. And the directorial message to the parents, as I always share, is just to keep a certain sense of, of an ongoing communication. And I think it just put parents in a very um, calm place, knowing that, okay, this is what the yeshiva feels right now is what's expected of us, attainable, doable, and it gives them, first of all, the, the confidence to, to make the demands of their children that they have to, like, yes, you're expected to call in every single day. At the same time, understand that despite the fact that it's certainly much less hours than they, they're used to having their children educated, but this is what we feel is, is, is the, the doable and, and the right way to approach it at this time. So communication, I, I feel, is, 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 was a tremendous key component in, in, in just uh, making parents comfortable with the, uh, with the setup. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So sometimes you wish that uh, all schools would follow the, in that lead, communicating. It's, it's so important. Um, coming up on Pesach, they speak a lot about Pesach. Pesach is always something, especially in the younger grades, but all the grades, the boys look forward to. It's something that, that the, the yeshivas do a lot of preparing for, in terms of getting the kids excited for the Seder and the Haggadahs. This year, the situation is so different. How are the Rebbeim being able to give over that special feeling for Pesach, which they can't do in the, in the way they ordinarily do? So that's true. It's certainly going to be missing on the Rebbe level. Um, one thing I did do, and I scrambled for this, is that immediately when I saw that things were unraveling, and that I thought originally that our remote location um, setup would, would, would be able to extend for, for, for a bit longer, and we would have time to, to, to still be on a, you know, a personal communication level with the parents and the kids and seeing them, etc. As soon as we realized it wasn't going to last, I immediately had older Abayim send all the information in. I didn't really have full-time secretarial help, so I literally was sitting with my daughters on my dining room table, binding hundreds of uh, Haggadahs, and I delivered them to each of the Abayim's houses, and they made chain calls within their own classes so that everyone would pick up from the Rebbe's porch the Haggadahs. It happens to be a very demographically local community, so it worked out. And everyone, um, by a, literally a day or two after we closed, everyone had their Haggadahs at home. So that the Rebbeim were able to spend some time of their share every day, and some of them used the conference time, the live conference time to do this, but to go through the Haggadah. And then uh, my own sons have the Haggadahs in a special place, and every day at a certain point in their conference, they pull the Haggadahs out, 
They do some of it. At the same time, there's been a lot of talk. We all know this. We all hear it. There have been probably many Mishpacha articles written about it, about how uh, the Gantelebincha has sort of shifted so much, and the kids come where there is, and the father's questions, not because they want the father's answers, but because they want to give their father uh, a ten-minute spiel. And the truth is, personally, as a father, I'm, I have a certain excitement in knowing that my little ones, even my, like my preschool children, are really going to learn the story in a much more dramatic and first-hand manner from their father, as they should. You know, there's a story I share with my parents every year. Rabbi Baruch Sinkum, our Rebbe Zatzal, used to say this over, that there was a Talmud that had an unbelievable opportunity. He was a relative of the Chafetz Chaim, and he had an opportunity to spend Pesach, the first days of Pesach, in Raden. He had such an opportunity, and he would have eaten the Svarim with the Chafetz Chaim. No less. A bach of Namir. And he went to his mashkiach, Rabbi Ruchim, famous Rabbi Ruchim, and Rabbi Ruchim told him that he should go home. He should rather be, he should rather have, as he got to he should rather have here, see Priscius of Shrine from his father than from the Chafetz Chaim alone. There's something, there's something to be said about a father sharing um, these, this message with his children. And, and, you know, why it has happened that Chinuch today has shifted to a point where the kids come in sometimes more prepared than their fathers to the Seder, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But uh, that, that's, where we're, that's where we're at, and that's what the expectation has become. But at the same time, um, with the knowledge that the boys have beautiful Haggadahs, and, you know, which is a large part of it, the pride that they have in their Haggadahs, and they're having enough time to go through it with their Abayim, just enough that they feel ownership, not just like they got something in the mail from Ura, but it's something that they can't can connect with. And at the end of the day, um, this will be a year where fathers will have to step up to the plate and be a little more dramatic, animated, be a little more animated, and, and really, and really uh, give over to their children the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim in its pure form, especially to the younger ones. That, uh, that my, my daughters are teaching my, my, my little girl a Kadesh or Chatzkarpa song, but, but the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, she's, she's going to get to hear from her father in a very dramatic way at the Seder. And I'm, uh, to okay. excitement so you need to tell the parents. To that you, need, you, you need to tell the parents. I, I, cer- I certainly am. I certainly am. I'm sending out a video message before Pesach, and this is going to be the crux of my, uh, of my message. Okay. Um, uh, what, what, if you could share briefly some ideas of obviously the kids have a lot more time on their hands than they no- normally do, and uh, parents out of de- desperation might be tempted to uh, relax on the on the standards that they set for their children, whether it's videos or maybe playing with phones. And uh, we don't want to kill a child's chinuch just because of a, a unfortunate situation. What what advice do you have for the parents in this difficult difficult period? I would say that a family has to be realistic. You have to be realistic with what your children are capable of, what the dynamics in your home is, and, and kids sitting around doing nothing is very often worse than what you think might be the worst thing in the world. So a, a parent has to take a very honest look at 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 what's what, and, and certainly speak to their own myrederech to find out what they find acceptable. Uh, certainly under no circumstances, and this, this, you don't even need to say, but should a child be given any, um, you know, un- unsupervised uh, ability to, to sit on a connectable device in any, fan or, in any manner, or shape, or form, even for, for, a, moment, uh, for a moment or two. But, but that notwithstanding, um, to, to show them uh, maybe an, an old Schmorg video that has, you know, the Living Total Museum, um, uh, you know, uh, kosher animal video, 
even in a house that doesn't show videos, is something I think that is a very fair question for someone to pose to their to their rav and maraderech. And and I don't know necessarily that the answer will be that now is the time to uh, you know in Hilchas Pesach there's there's probably no area of Yiddishkeit where we're more strict in Hilchas Pesach, right? And 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 mm-hmm. and. You know, the, 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 the notion of washing the walls is, is in fact brought in halach as a minug. Right. It's not just something that we say to make fun, you know. And the cute, and, and, right, and although the Q-tips in the sockets is not brought in halach, but that might just be because they didn't have Q-tips or sockets in the times <laughs> when they, they were replacing right about Minhagi Yisrael. But... But at the same, so, 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 and despite that, despite that, um, local Rabbanim here in Montreal and across the world have been very, very clear in, 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 in presenting a very, very watered down version of what we would expect uh, for the Chumras of Yisrael Kedoshim Because the, the situation sometimes uh, is different and there's, there's a certain ace last Lashem you have to understand. Again, I'm not giving any carte blanche uh, heter for anything. There's certainly something that's not appropriate. But, I don't think any family feels that because this year they're going to buy products that they would otherwise make or whatnot. Or myself, I don't sell Hamas Gomer. I spoke to a rough today. He told me that anything my wife is scared, she won't be able to get afterwards. That's important to the family. We should sell. Now, I've never sold Hamas Gomer before. But this is what our Rav advised us to do. Again, don't take that as a psaac for yourself. I don't know if it's called their own Rav. But at the same time, I don't have a fear in my family that next year, Mitzvah, everything will be fine and perfect. I'm going to revert back to this psaac. I think everyone understands that uh, it's a very dramatic situation. And uh, it calls sometimes for, for an understanding of that. So it's important that a person is mature enough to call their Rav and accept what their Rav said. And, and again, I'm not, I'm, chastral, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not judging and I'm not, I'm not uh, dismissing any very valid concerns. But again, if things are done without structure, then you're down a very, very slippery, slidey road, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. Mm-hmm. But, but if things are structured and there's din v'cheshbin on what's what, then, then I think it's a very fair area for a parent to speak to the Maruderach, to explore, and to, and to, use, uh, to use appropriately. And again, I, I'm, I'm, you know, this has to be taken very carefully on both ends of the, uh, both ends of the uh, scale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, one more question, uh, a little bit of a, of a more personal question. You, besides being a manal, you're also a parent of Baruch Hashem, a lot of children. Uh, it's, it, this is a very difficult time in the world, as, you, as you're well aware. Nabach people are dying, uh, people that are, that are very sick. Everyone's afraid of getting sick. And, uh, and also many, many people have lost their panasa or have, have seriously lost a lot of money on, uh, because of the economic uh, Stop it. Basically, stopping of the whole world. What should parents do to reassure their children that the world's not coming to an end, that things will be better, and to give them chizik? Kids pick up on the, on the nervousness. What should they do? What should a parent do to give a kid chizik when they themselves are falling apart inside? Well, that, that's a very good question, but you sort, of, you, sort of, um, you sort of made it even more difficult by saying when the parent themselves are falling apart, the truth is, if a parent himself or herself is falling apart, uh, impossible is a strong word, but it, it's ex- excessively challenging to instill confidence in your children when you yourself are not confident. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's not impossible, probably, but I can't imagine it can be very effective. Um, children, we are told, have very strong barometers on, on where the trans are holding. Um, it is important that people that are going through any type of challenge reach out to a maruderech, to a therapist, to a psychologist, 
um, it can start with listening to uh, many of the call in physics shurim that are going on and, and Yisrael Kedosh uh, every other night my wife's telling me uh, Makil speaking tonight and Rabbi Rabbi speaking tomorrow night and Rabbi Feinstein and every other night there's someone else speaking and then you have Dr. Pelkowitz uh, and, and, and people in, 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 in mental health professionals in the film world are speaking as well it's important for, for, for parents that are feeling down and, 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 and lost to tap into any source of inspiration that they can get and share them while it's still warm, share it with your children. But yeah, it's indeed a challenging time. It's a challenging time. Um, remaining upbeat at home, I think, is important. Um, it's easy for tempers to flare when everyone's on top of each other, especially in a big family. And, and I think structure, again, structure helps very much for that because people sort of know where they're supposed to be when. Um, keeping order in the house. I'll just share a cute thing that we do in my house. I, I would suggest everyone try it home. I, I don't know why it works so well, but it happens to work. But the f- first day, Kinahara, I have a big family, as you mentioned, uh, 11 at home, Kinahara. Um, and my married daughter was supposed to come for Pesach. I don't think we'll be coming now from Lakewood. But it's quite busy here. And just the mess builds up, you know, in, 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 in a matter of seconds. You, you walk into one room, and by the time you come to the next room, there are, there's already things piled up. So we have this thing. I told them if the first or second day of being home with them, I realized where this was going. So when Tati yells scramble, everyone has to stop what they're doing. They have to walk around the house and find 25 things that are in the wrong place and put them where they're supposed to be. Again, you can, now, it sounds like a big number. You have a thing to do the math now. 11 kids. So, okay, my baby's not doing anything. So, let's say eight, eight kids times 25 things. That's a lot of things to be out of place. But it means, it, it can mean, it can mean a safer on the table. It can mean a sitter on the table. It could be, uh, it could be two cups that, that, that are on the counter that should be stacked up. But we say scramble. And as soon as they do the 25 things, they scream scramble and they go back to what they're doing. The whole exercise takes two, three minutes. And, and we now do two, do, I do it two, three times a day. I, no complaints because they know it's, it's, it's defined. It's quick. It's just, it keeps things flowing. It's just a good, cute tip that anyone can use at home. And you, you probably should because it just keeps things in order. But, but again, you know, thinking of such type of ideas and, and ways to keep things orderly and neat and structured and, and allowing your kids to have a little bit of space um, without getting bogged down by messes and, and by, by disarray is important. That having been said, it's a challenging time for balabastas everywhere. You know, they're trying to clean for Pesach and cook for Pesach and, 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 and figure out why the phone is not answering um, when their daughter's crying, that she's not reaching her mora, and her son wants, is tugging the cell phone out of her hand, but she's on the cell phone giving her daughter in Lakewood making Pesach for the first time a recipe. It, it's a trying time. <laughs> and, it's, uh, mm. and I think even more important than the Batachan aspect is just keeping our cool on the day-to-day, the day-to-day uh, control of the house. It's hard. It's a challenge. But again, you know, that story of, of the revolution came at such a great time in my family. It was like, it, it was just, it was like a breath of fresh air. Just to, just to like, everyone take a deep breath. And this is where we are now. We just have to try to make the best of it. It's, it's not a lechatchila, but in a way it's lechatchila. And bedyeved is a funny word to use because if this were Hashem for us, you know, the famous story with the Chafetz Chaim, where, where, where someone wants, the Chafetz Chaim asked someone how he's doing. And, and he said, can uh, I better? It could be better. So the Chafetz Chaim, shook his head, um, and he said, if it could be better, it would be better. Whatever Hashem is doing is the best. So it can't be better. Your matzah can't be better. It doesn't look that way, doesn't smell that way, doesn't sound that way, but we have to believe that if it could be better, it would be better. 
So, so I think I think we have to become comfortable with the situation. Again, it, it, you can't judge someone who's 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 Rahman al-Islan having panasa issues. Rahman al-Islan has a close family member or someone within the family that's facing a medical challenge at this time or a high risk for a medical challenge. It's impossible for us to put ourselves in their in their shoes for even a moment. But what they do have to do is, is, is understand that this is not a normal situation, and it's not only okay to seek guidance, we're expected to seek guidance. Call your Rav, call your uncle, call your Shver, call your, call, your, call your Rosh Hashiva. Even if you haven't spoken to him in 10 years, pick up the phone and call him. It's irrelevant. You need to reach out to someone. If it's a mental health professional or if it's a Rav, it's a, it's, it's a time that everyone needs guidance. And if we're not being able to keep it together ourselves, then we need to, uh, we need to reach out. Very nice, beautiful, beautiful. That's uh, very comforting and uh, very, uh, very practical advice uh, that we should all take and learn from. Okay, thank you very much, Menachem. It's a shame. Hopefully, right after Pesach, uh, we should all be together in Yerushalayim. We shouldn't have to worry about. Amen, 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 amen. That's another, another, another area of encouragement. We can, we can, we can grasp onto the hopes that this is a uh, heavenly Mashiach. It's a shame. We should see it very soon. The Nisan is suddenly going. You've been listening to Chinuch 2.0, a podcast exploring the changes happening to how we do Chinuch. Chinuch 2.0 is hosted and produced by me, Aaron Parnas. Special thanks to David Lichtenstein of Headlines, who inspired this show. Subscribe to the show by searching for Chinuch 2.0 on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also sign up for text notifications by sending the word Chinuch to the number 484848. For suggestions, comments, or guest ideas, please send an email to chinuch2.0 at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.